This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Trisha Stringer, welcome back. Thank you, Cheryl. It's lovely to be here. I think we do. We talk at every book. Do we? Do we do that? Well, we've we have done quite a few. Yes. Yeah, we have. And I think the last time I saw you was a dinner in between those COVID lockdowns. Is that right? Did we have a dinner? Yes. Yes. Oh, I think I did pop into better reading towards the end of. Oh no, it might have been middle of last year. Yeah. yeah, gosh, time Around is blurring, day. isn't it? But it's yes, like... I did come in in last year. I think the the, the meal was the year before. There you go. Mm, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> Tricia is a best-selling and multiple award-winning author of such books as Keeping Up Appearances, Birds of a Feather, The Family Inheritance, and many more. Tricia grew up on a farm in country South Australia and has spent most of her life in rural communities as owner of a post office and bookshop, as a teacher and a librarian, and now as a full-time writer. She lives on the traditional lands of the Norunga people in the beautiful Copper Coast region with her husband, Daryl, travelling and exploring Australia's diverse communities and landscapes and sharing her passion for the country and its people through her authentic stories and their vivid characters. You're such a popular writer with our readers. (laughs) You really are. Um, Thank you. This is her latest novel. It's called Back on Track. Trisha tackles troubled relationships, ageism, and love old and new in this warm, funny, uplifting story of colleagues and unlikely travel companions thrown together on a train trip across Australia. Now, there's a couple of things that ring true here for me. I want to talk about ageism, but I also love train trips. I love them. Yes, yes. And I haven't done a lot of train travel, but the GAN was up there spectacular. Oh, you've done the game. I did. I haven't done <laughs> I that. I had to yet. research, Cheryl, for this for this. Of course book. you did. <laughs> of course you did. Yes. Well, I did my most recent one was not the gun, but it was called the Something Zephra in the US. And I took it from Colorado back to San Francisco in the snow. It was wow. magnificent. And then we got stuck in the snow for 12 hours. Oh, wow. On the train. On the train. And then they started calling out, does anybody have food? Does anyone have a can opener? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, I was reading a book and I hadn't finished it, so I thought, oh, this is great. I just locked the cabin door, sat back, I had some nuts, and I finished my book. So was it a sleeper train? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, good. Mm. Love them. Anyway, we were having a a pre-podcast chat, which I'd like to resume, and we were talking about you doing the promotion for Back on Track, and then you said you were doing some research on the book that you're writing now. That's correct, yes. And I said, 
when are you ever in the present? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I said never. <laughs> Talk to me about that. <laughs> uh, it is always a juggle. So I feel like there's often almost three stories in my head. The one that I've finished and, as you say, I'm about to go on tour with and that's all very exciting. So I'm, I'm you know, getting back into that one. I am finishing the book for next year and so I'm already casting my mind forward, well, where, where can we go next? You know, what can, I, what can I write about next? So, yes, three, three books often in my head. Does Daryl ever say to you, Tricia, are you with me? Are you here? <laughs> often. <laughs> Not necessarily because I'm writing. <laughs> Michael Robotham told me a story once, which I thought was really funny. Um, he was out to dinner with his wife and he was writing a book and the, I think there was a romance going on in, in the book and Michael's wife, he was distracted, and Michael's wife, who's gorgeous, lovely woman, said, Michael, are you with her? <laughs> yes. Yes, I've heard him tell that story. Oh, yeah. And I can relate to it because yeah. I have I have been known to be out to dinner and you know eavesdropping on a much more entertaining conversation that's going on at the table next door. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, to yeah. say that you know my family and friends aren't entertaining, but this is, you know, some some little tidbit that I think, oh, you know. Obviously, I'm not going to write that exactly, but it's just something that sparks an idea or something someone might say. And so, you know, I'm leaning sort of sideways and I get the, mom, you know, mm. are you listening? The nosy person mm. at that table. Do you know, I, I've talked a bit about this on the podcast recently. So I was in hospital a few months, uh, I don't know, maybe it was 12 weeks ago or something now. And I was at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital. It's a public teaching hospital best, best care ever. However, I was in a room of four, right? Yes. And I feel as though every writer should have this experience, um, <laughs> the stories I heard. So because oh. I was in there for such a long time and people only come to the hospital, they seem apparently the average stays one or two nights, right? Well, I blitzed that. I stayed, yes. I was there for nearly two oh. weeks. I, I kind of became like the boss of the ward, like I was yes. the most senior person. <laughs> Right. But what I love, because everybody keeps saying, oh, you know, why don't you have, get a private room? Why don't you get a single room? No, 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 no. I wanted to be in the thick of it. I wanted to hear other people's stories. I yes. wanted, like when somebody came to a bed and got into that bed, I wanted to know why they were there. I wanted to know what their story was. And, do you know, I did. I heard lots of stories. You could and be I, a writer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, do you know, it really was, you know, how we all live in our silos? That's that's what it is. And I think being a writer too, and if you want to write, you know, something authentic and something truthful, you have to move out of your silo, don't you? You sure do, yes. And so when I'm not writing, I am spending time out and about and just you know, I, I I guess writers are observers and listeners and all of those things so that we're taking in what's going on around us, what's in the news, what we're reading, all of those things. You never know when one little tiny mm. gem just might be that next little inspiration or something that you, that you need for a story. So it's very important. We can't just live in our turrets. I don't know how those writers do that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, I know, because then you just don't have the experience, do you? Tell me what, what a normal writing day, or, well, is there a normal writing day? <laughs> 
There should be, but not necessarily. When I'm in that first draft phase is probably what I would say is my most normal time, and, and that is, you know, starting, I decided that I would pretend like I'm going out to work. So I get myself up in the mornings, do those jobs as if I'm going to leave the house mm. and I'm ready, I'm dressed, I've had breakfast, etc. and then I go into my office and I try very hard to get to 2,000 words a day. I don't always. Other days I might write more. So, I, you know, that's, that's the pattern I follow until I've got that first draft done mm. and then I can be a bit more flexible with my time. But 2,000 words is a big is a big goal. It's a lot, yes. And I find there are times when I barely get to 1,000 and then other, it just depends which stage you're at and then it's it's an average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you do that five days a week? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I interviewed uh, recently, I interviewed uh, Shankari Chandra who recently won the Miles Franklin. yes. And she told me, I mean, you know, this is the thing, I, I get to speak, I hear such interesting stories. And, do you know, I was somebody was saying the other day, we were talking about I've recorded, I think, nearly over 500 podcasts now. Um, and, you know, of course I don't remember every single one, but I do learn from almost every single one something new. Yes. I'm loving um, podcasts. I was slow to get into them. I tended when I, especially if I'm driving, which I often do have, you know, trip to Adelaide for next two hours. So often I'll put an audio book on. But lately I've been doing more podcasts and yes, I'm just loving. And and I I tend to listen to a lot of, Mm. you know, like better reading or other, you know, those where there are books involved or authors speaking Mm. and they're I, interesting, aren't they? I learned something from every single one of them. Yeah. Well, going back to Shankari, the reason why I brought it up was she is a, she's a mother of four to start with, so that's busy. But also she works full time. She works Monday to Thursday and she writes on Friday, right? Oh. Yeah, extraordinary, right? And then she told me, which I'd never heard before, you might have heard this, she tries to do between Monday and Thursday, she tries to do three 20-minute sprints, nice. writing sprints. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't do them, but I know people that do. Yeah, and they wow. Just get those words down on the page. and mm. Yeah, what a tremendous discipline, right? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so tell me about Back on Track and tell me where the idea, where the seed of that idea came from. Oh, I, uh, some, you might remember I wrote a book called Table for Eight Mm -hmm. where the main character, Ketty Clift from Ketty Clift Couture, dressmaking in Sydney, um, goes on a cruise. And Ketty has always stayed with me. I've loved her character. And, And readers were saying, you know, when will we hear hear from Katie again and so in the back of my mind was this idea you know a train trip maybe would be great for her and then of course COVID came along and we had booked another cruise and that of course got cancelled and so that was research cruise yes <laughs> <laughs> I'd pick that up somewhere else yeah. uh, but um, South Australia and Northern Territory were still Borders open, talking to each other, and that's the GAN runs right between us. So we thought, well, we'd always wanted to go on the GAN and we would bring that forward and do that. What seeing with- For our international listeners, because we've got some, tell us what the GAN yes. is. 
So the GAN is a train which runs from the bottom of Australia to the top of Australia, right through the middle. So yeah. in our case, we caught, we flew to Darwin and we caught the train from there and travelled back down to Adelaide. So we stopped at Catherine, we stopped yeah. at Alice Springs and we stopped or say near Coober because the train doesn't actually go through Coober and then on to Adelaide. So that was our trip, three nights and three days and just an amazing journey yeah, across Australia. From it's like my dream come true. I'd love to do that. Uh, it is. It, it's worth it. It's just yeah. it's, it's a bucket list trip. It's it's so, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of fun. And, of course, I, I went with the idea that, Perhaps there would be a story in this for Ketty and surely, sure enough, you know, <laughs> didn't take me long. <laughs> and I thought, yes, yeah, when I get home, there's going to be a, a Ketty story here. Yeah. I feel that your books resonate with a lot of readers because they feel like they're real stories. There's always something that somebody can relate to in a character. You know, their the characters are quite real they're not perfect, and I feel that you write normal in an interesting way. Does that make sense? It's very like <laughs> Jonathan. It's very like Jonathan Franzen. You know, he writes about nothing, but he writes about everything. Yes. Mm. Do you think? Possibly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just like to, well, as we talked about earlier, observe the world around me. Yes. And, um, you know, people often say write what you know which is fine but you can't possibly know everything and I think to write what you love or what you're passionate about is Mm. also a very good premise for writing and I love Australia I love our country the the people in it the mix that we are the different things that happen to us you know and I and I just can always find something always Mm -hmm. find something there that Mm. um I want to t- touch on one of the themes in the book, which is ageism. And it, this is interesting to me because I have a lot of friends that say to me, male and female, right, that say to me, oh, you know, I feel invisible now at this age, you know. Mm. But, you know, I don't feel that. No. No, it's interesting. I, you know, years ago I used to take a friend of mine to task because she started saying things like, oh, we've got to do this before we can't, which is, you know that's okay, but oh, I'm 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 feeling really old today, and I'm you know like I I just think if you're thinking that way and you're saying it, then you become mm. what you're saying, mm. and there is nothing wrong with aging at all. I mean, no. you either age or you're dead. Like this, yeah. is not a yeah. lot of choice. That's right, and you know, like I remember when my I had my fiftieth, which was a long time ago now, but I had a really big party. I had sixty people in the park seated. It was huge. I loved it. I don't know why I did. I, I just was in a very happy place, yes. and so many people said to me that night, "Oh, I've never seen anyone so happy about turning 50. Well, I'd lost a friend at forty nine, so yeah. maybe that was why some yes. people don't make it to fifty. Exactly right, exactly right. And I think we it doesn't matter what your age, we all have different uh, ways of, of uh, dealing with whatever we're doing and, uh, and you can be 90 and mm-hmm. still living your best life. You know, it, I, I just think um, 
you know, health is obviously something that plays a big part in how you age and that can affect people. But I, I think what I'm focusing more on is how we talk to each other and how, and, and ageism isn't just about older people. Older people can talk in an ageist way to younger people. You know, we all talk about, oh, those, you know, Gen Xs or I don't know, you know, like. Those yeah, or make references to social media or, you know, yeah, yeah, they shouldn't yeah. be on TikTok. Um, well, yeah, you know. and I and I uh, I think you know I'm not probably going to be a TikTok user. That's because I've got a million other things that I want to do, and I know it would take time to learn how to use it. So I probably am not. But I'd never say never. Who knows? Yeah, you know, and you'd um, never tell a young person not to do it. No, no, no. not at all, not at all. Yeah, so yeah. I think it was interesting to investigate that. And then because I was investigating it, I listened more and I, I heard it in everyday speech. You know, the uh, World Health Organisation did a some research back in 2021 which said something like 90% of Australians are aware of ageism and 63% of them report that they have experienced it and it's, oh, wow. it's it's that's high figures and I just think it's almost up there with racism in a way it's um you know it can harm people it can make them not live their best life and so yeah your friend's talking about being invisible I think sometimes yeah we we look past an older person to a younger person because we think it's a bit like the old back in the day, I hope it doesn't happen now, but, you know, where they look to your husband to speak for you because the wife wouldn't know. And I think that still happens. Or sometimes younger people are ignored, you know, the little boy at the counter with his money to pay and the, the adult gets served in front. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm embarrassed to share this story, but I'm going to say it anyway. Many, many years ago when I was 21, my partner knew a guy that was older than us, a 30-year-old, and he said to me, well, Nick's turning 30 on Saturday and we're invited to his party. I said, I'm not going to an old person's party. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> and I didn't go. <laughs> Uh, if only we could go back and talk to our younger selves, hey? 
<laughs> At the time, 30 seems so old. Another thought I used to have when I was that age was when I would go to a, a bar or, you know, a pub or something, and I'd see women, particularly women, I don't know why, <laughs> I was ageist and sexist at the time, <laughs> and I'd see women maybe in their 30s or maybe in their 40s out drinking like a group of people, just a group of women just hanging out. I think I'm never going to do that at that age. Oh. They shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. So what would you be doing, home, sitting home doing your knitting or something? Well, know? that was my perception of what 30 and 40-year-olds did. And when I got there, I was still out there. Yes, of course you were, of course. And, um, and it's about doing what you love. And if that's what you love, do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, super interesting. Mm. I want to talk about writing because you've had several careers, right? Do you kind of reflect and think which one was my favourite, which where would I, or should I have started writing sooner or talk to me about that career and how it kind of came together because you know and I know it's fortunate, it's it's a hard slog to get there and you have gotten there, but you've done a lot, haven't you? Yes, well, I, just like everybody else, I suppose, I, I, um, I loved being a teacher. I was a, started my teacher training as a junior primary teacher my very favourite place in the world to be is um, junior primary children. They are just such, you know, a delight, but also um, they're sponges, you know. They just they take are. everything in and it's just yeah. such a wonderful age. But I then, um, I also trained as a teacher librarian, so I spent quite a bit of my teaching life as a librarian in school as well. I've been in a school that has a community library, so that meant, you know, community came into our library, so that kind of expanded that way. I've, I've taught in all sorts of situations since that junior primary training is really good training because it <laughs> prepares you for lots of different things. Uh, my husband and I bought the first um, licensed post office in South Australia, so we took that on. Yeah. And we had this huge front space uh, in front of the counter space, and we thought, "What are we going to do with it?" And I said, "Let's let's put in a children's bookshop." <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing about running a bookshop, but anyway, I learned very quickly. Um, so I've done that, and I've worked for a friend in a bookshop. So I've, yeah, all of those things were certainly have filled my life, my my working life. But it was the I suppose the teaching which brought me to the writing. And that was because I wanted to write some stories for the children that I was teaching that would sort of relate to what we were talking about. Unfortunately, I never finished them in time for that class because <laughs> it took me a while. But, um, yeah, that's what gave me my start into writing, which is my passion now. I, you know, I think wherever you are at the moment, and I'm so lucky, I, I love doing it. It's never a chore and it's always mm. fun. And I get to mm. talk to people like you. How many books, what book number are you up to? Back on Track, which is coming out in October, is book 16. Yeah, wow. Okay. Do you miss, because it's a solitary life, isn't it, unless you're yes. out there being nosy and doing research, <laughs> but mainly it's solitary. So that's a real contrast to being a teacher or a librarian or Very. working in a bookshop. Tell me Very. how you first dealt with that. When I first retired from teaching, I was lucky. That was when my friend had a bookshop and they needed a, you know, an extra person for a day and a half a week. So that was just yeah. a perfect, you know, segue for me to not shut the door totally on that people contact and 
and the story times because we did all sorts in the bookshop, which, you know, overlapped with what I'd done at school. So that was really good to be able to have that gradual move away from such a, a yeah, a busy life where people, I mean, I really miss the staff room, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all of that, that, that sort of thing. And, and, and the kids, the, 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 just the constant, always constant something happening when you've got children around. So I did miss that. And so having a day a week in a bookshop was at least, and being able to still talk about books, because as a librarian, I did a lot of that. So I could still talk to people about books and you know, have that share, sharing the knowledge of books and stories, which was fun too. So I guess it was a gradual easing in. And so when that stopped, by then I was used to being at home and working full-time at home. And so I can be a bit of a recluse now. I, I sometimes think, oh, I don't know if I'll go, oh, yes, you have to go to that, you know, and mm. then once I get there I'm fine. But I, mm. I sometimes I find, I suppose, because I do spend a lot of time on my own, it's easier to stay I mean I'm not totally on my own my husband is here (laughs) Um, so yeah two cats does he work from home or is he retired he's retired now right yeah he he works in the home yep okay got it okay (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um do you like doing the publicity I do I do enjoy it I people ask me you know, do I get nervous? And I do. I I do get nervous when I'm about to start public speaking. I've it's not never been something mm. I've come to naturally. I had to do some courses and train myself in that. Uh, which Even though you're cool. a teacher, that's right. You know, you think isn't that silly? You, yeah, you're so used to talking with kids all day, but this is quite different. And you're talking about. Your book, and I, I, yeah, I, I think you know, wow, people are the people going to even like this book? Are they are they going to be interested in what I've got to say, and and all of that sort of stuff? So it does take, but then once I get going, I'm fine. And mm. uh, once the, the tour starts, and I'm moving on from place to place, so I feel a bit more comfortable about it. And I do love meeting readers. That's you know one of the mm. the most special things. The conversations with readers is 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 great. So mm. to do that. Don't you think we're so lucky in our relation, like you, me, people in the book industry? Largely, it's very positive. People are going to contact you because they like you. They're not going to write you and say, well, that's a crap book. That doesn't really happen. Occasionally, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Have I received an email like that? Oh, not exactly like that. No. But, you know, I've been taken yeah. to task occasionally, which is fine. I, you yeah, know, that's review. Yeah, I, that's I, I feel, and you would have seen the change and the connection with the reader between, say, your first book and now because we've, we've moved along in terms of social media. Yes. But I feel that, you know, through organizations like ours but you know and others that there is this lovely connection between directly between reader and writer which yes. wasn't it, so big in the past no and I think you're right it's so much easier now because mm. you know when you have your lovely um what, what what I've been reading which I haven't been able to see live for a while so I've been you know catching up on that later on but you know it's that ability to just straight away be able to say, you know, when a reader says, oh, I'm reading Trisha Stringer's La La La, and you go, oh, thanks, you know, glad mm-hmm. you're enjoying it. You know, you can give that instant feedback and uh, through social media, through new- I send out a newsletter, 
Um, it's easy enough to email me. I answer all emails. Or, or people come and see you at events. Or they come and see me at events, yes. Yeah. And so all of that is is just, yeah, it's lovely and I think readers appreciate it and I know I appreciate it. I, I mm. love to be able to do that. Does it energise you? Definitely, yes. Mm. By the end of a tour I'm exhausted. For sure. <laughs> the sound for of my sure. own voice. Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. Um, but, yes, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you do. You come back ready to go, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> mm. And so are you doing a book a year? Or? Yes, yes. Yeah, wow. So this wow. book that I'm writing now is uh, nearly ready to go off to my publisher. And, yeah, as I said, I'm, you know, already sort of starting to get the seeds together for next year's book or for the book for the year after. Do you try and discipline yourself into taking some annual leave or some holiday in between? I do. I always have yeah. a break over Christmas, New Year, because that's when my grandies uh, are aren't at school and, you know, their parents are still working, so they come and stay with us and we have oh, all, lovely. All we stay with them, whichever, and, and we have some fun together and then it's Christmas, New Year, and, and I live by the beach, so I like to you know, be able to spend time with friends and family and do the beach things and all of that sort of stuff. So I, I like to have a three weeks when I think I don't have to deal with anything too much um, mm. unless it's an emergency, which mm. is very often in the, in the writing world. So that's what I do. But I also take breaks. You know, I, I have a perpetual planner above my desk and occasionally, uh, you know, something comes up during the year that I know well in advance. So I put that in red on my calendar and that means I know I'm not going to get any sort of writing type things. I always take my writing with me because mm, <laughs> I do sneak in, you know, I just yeah. can't help it. If I'm in the middle of a book, I can't just leave it because yeah, yeah. it's still going around in my head. So I do, but I don't make that the main focus of what I'm doing, obviously, and I just take You just have a little sprint. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> 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 the book is called Back on Track. Trisha Stringer, thank you. Always enjoy chatting with you. It is. Thanks, Cheryl. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.